Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And we know Kraft is not uh, a fan of making midseason changes. Not that, of course, he's had to be confronted with that decision very often. I mean, obviously, I'm no genius when it comes to this, but I, I can almost guarantee that they don't do it during the season. If they did that, that would shock, that would shock me like more than anything I've ever seen in football. But I said, I, there's a lot of respect between like the two. Like I said, like I said, that I'm sure they're having conversations at this point and trying to figure things out how to write the ship. But I, I, I highly doubt, you know, anything like drastic like that happens this year. Patsy DeFerrance is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. So one week ago on this podcast, I asked you, the listener, and our guest then, Taylor Kyles, is this rock bottom for the Patriots? Because you would think, you would hope, 38-3 to down in Dallas would be rock bottom. Turns out, of course, it's not. Because we are back here, 34 to nothing loss for the Patriots. Their largest home shutout in franchise history. Now joined by James White, who very thankfully never had to endure quite anything like this, but is going to endure being a guest yet again in this podcast because he is too kind to tell me no. Um, and before we get to James, I'm going to remind you, of course, this episode of the Pats Interference Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And it's a shit show right now, offensively. And we're going to go down some numbers before James and I dive into that offense, because that's all we're going to talk about this episode. You know, the normal format post game, the good, the bad. What would NFL film say? We need to talk a mailbag. Here's here's the current format of that. Good. Nothing. Bad. Everything. We need to talk. Everyone. What would NFL film say? Robert Kraft would call in this hypothetical season-long documentary and say, just pull that game out, erase it, do not include that. NFL films would say nothing is directed by the league, and we do have a lot of mailback questions. We have a lot of questions, of course, that pertain to the offense, as I mentioned, because here's here's the statistical rundown to refresh your memory, mine, and in case anyone blacked out the last two weeks, because you would be very <laughs> lucky uh, until you listen to the following. Three points in two games. One red zone trip. In the last three games, 34 straight drives without a touchdown. And they only scored that touchdown because of a busted coverage. The shit has hit the fan and everyone is wearing it. Anyone who wants to split this conversation to a false binary. Is it Mac? Is it Bill? Is it the offensive line? No, no, no. This is on everyone. You get outscored 38 to three and then 34 to nothing. This is on everyone. To that end, Mac, complete mess right now. Two more interceptions against the Saints. He had another pick six. Should have had a third interception that got batted down to the line in the second half. He continues to be spooked by pressure. James, I'm I'm sorry. You're going to smile soon. I promise. I hope. Uh, The receivers, least separation in the league, according to next-gen stats. That's just exactly what it is. Against man coverage, the Patriots were 3 of 13 for 15 yards, a sack, and a pick. They can't get any kind of space against defensive backs one-on-one. Offensive line, still allowing the most pressure in the entire league, according to anybody, pick your advanced stat, your favorite analytics company, Pro Football Focus, my stats, anybody's going to tell you that. And James's old friends in the running back room, uh, Ramondre, Steven, Ezekiel Elliott, they're not breaking tackles anymore. We had one each from Zeke and Mondre on Sunday, and Mondre's broken tackle rate is down 33% from last year. Oh, and of course, coaching. 
because this is the most basic offense we have seen yet. First play of the second half. James, I texted you about this one. Slant flat. Little dragon concept to the left. Mac is looking to throw this. It is day one install at Foxborough High School at BC for the New England Patriots, okay? He looks, hesitates, then throws a one-yard pass to Juju Smith-Schuster, who gets clocked because of that hesitation. And Juju's got his own problems, which we already detailed. But of all the stuff I just detailed, and all the things that you've seen, watching this team, knowing this team, what is the most jarring to you, James White, about the Patriots offense right now? For me, there's... There's no energy. There's no enthusiasm. Obviously, it's hard to do that when you're not playing well. But even from the beginning of football games, it's like, it's like, eh, like get two yards, three yards. There's nobody talking. There's nobody communicating. It it seems like when they get to the line of scrimmage, the play clock's about to run out almost every time when they're about to try and snap the ball. It just seems like there's no like emphasis, like, like no guy, nobody's like pushing one another to go out there and correct the mistakes from the previous week. You get beat 38 to three or whatever it was, you would think you would come out, you know, the following week and have a little bit more enthusiasm to try and go out there and prove yourself and improve off of last week. And we didn't quite see that. It's just, I know as a fan, it's hard to watch. You know, as a coach, I'm sure it's hard to watch. As a teammate, it's hard to watch. As a former player, it's definitely hard to watch because obviously we all, who have played, you know, in the Patriots organization, we know what's being preached, you know, by Bill Belichick, by, I've never been coached by Bill O'Brien, but I'm sure he's emphasizing the same type of things that, you know, Josh McDaniels emphasized, protect the football, you know, try and exploit the defense's weaknesses. And right now it doesn't seem like, you know, they can even do that because they have so many weaknesses, you know, on, on their own. So how could you try and expose somebody else's when there's so much that, you know, you're trying to correct. So, it's, it's still early in the year. I mean, obviously it's been really bad so far, but the thing about it is there's still, you know, a lot of teams across the NFL or who are still trying to figure themselves out as well in the AFC. I mean, I the, would you say the Bills or the Chiefs, even even them, you know, winning football game, the Bills last lost to the Jaguars, the Chiefs, they're kind of like scratching to, to win each and every week. So there's no team that's really like, I would just say, oh, they're they're so much greater than everybody else. The two best teams in the NFL are in the the NFC probably right now with the the 49ers and the Eagles. They're playing the best football so far. The AFC, I feel like, is still completely wide open. So that's the kind of the good sign to me because everybody else is, you know, trying to figure it out. They're kind of struggling a little bit too. So I'm, I guess I'm still seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, probably unlike... You're bringing your own juice. You're, you're, you're yeah, doing yeah, what yeah, the Patriots yeah, failed yeah, to do, as yeah. you said. Yes, <laughs> no energy, no anything. You're bringing the optimism. Here's the thing, though. Uh, I mentioned the shit has hit the fan. I'm about to piss all over that optimism because the Patriots, the Patriots playoff odds right now, James, are 5%. 5% in places that I trust, and that is tied with um, the Bears right now, who just won their first game. And granted, it scored 40 points. It's way more than the Patriots have ever scored. But... I want to go back to where we are right now instead of jumping ahead to the playoffs. And it it is a long season. The calendar has been the only source of optimism for the Patriots going back to week two. We're asking Mike Kosicki being like, you guys are 0-2. You almost had this one. Mike, you just needed to go six more inches for that first down. Couldn't do it uh, on the the lateral um, after he pitched back to Cole Strange. But the Patriots, as we record here Monday night, their coaches are still in meetings. Their players are off. Uh, we now know the Patriots are going to have a rare Tuesday walkthrough tomorrow when players come back. Assistant coaches are going to speak with the media. The locker room will be open. And it's a little funky because they're going to travel Friday, as I understand it, to Las Vegas for their next game. The Raiders, by the way, yeah. are playing right now. Yeah, Something's up. And I don't say that in a way to be alarmist. I say that in a way of 
The starting quarterback's been benched in two straight games. His backup stinks. Billy Zappi's accurate throw percentage right now is at 41%. But Bill Belichick said, we're going to start over. And when you start over, you typically start with the most important position, and that would be the quarterback. If it's not Mac, though, or maybe you think it is, what do you think Bill means by start over as they lay these plans here Monday night and then start to lay them out and execute them Tuesday? Uh, for me, it's just you kind of have to completely erase the first five football games. I think that's what he means by start over. If you continue to dwell on you know, what's happened the first five weeks, then you're probably going to you know, keep playing the same brand of football that you've been playing so far. So for them, they really have to turn the page like us, you know, you know, in the media as former players, like we're going to talk about it because that's what we've seen. We're not in the building. We can't, you know, quite, you know, knit or figure out exactly what's going on. They're the ones, you know, calling the plays. They're the ones out there going out there doing it. So they have whatever, like a more honed in view of what's actually, you know, going wrong. Because like I said, they, they know what they're supposed to be doing. They're just obviously not executing at a high level. So for me, that's what he's saying. Like, all right, first five weeks, we played completely awful. All right, let's just, let's scrap that. Let's, let's make, let's look at the film. Let's see what we're, what's causing us those problems. What's causing us to turn the football on offense, turn the football over on offense. What's causing us not to be able to run the football. Why are our receivers not, you know, creating separation? Why can't we get chunk plays? Why are we down, you know, 16-0, 21-0 in every single football game? So you want to get down to the, to the nitty gritty. And then obviously everybody has to be accountable to like from coaching staff, you know, to all the players, quarterback, office line, running back, receiver, everybody has to look themselves in the mirror and figure out what they can do to turn this corner. Because I know, like, they may not have the the most talented whatever offense in the league, but there's 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 players on that team that can make plays, and they just have to figure out a way to you know whatever build them, give them the confidence to go out there and do it, or. Or they just have to just go out there and do it in a sense. Like <laughs> you draw the you, you can't draw the perfect play call, you know, every single time. It's gonna come down to a point where, hey, they they know what you're running, you know what they're running, you just gotta go out there and win your matchup. You know, you're you got the burden on one play, you gotta block the DN, you're one on one, you gotta block them. You gotta at the running back, you you have one on one with the safety, that's what the play was drawn up to do. Let's go out there, win that matchup, create a big play. You know, that type of thing. Everybody just has to take that on as the end, like for the quarterback, quarterback, you drop back, nobody's open. Just get rid of the football. Take the sack. Just live, just punt it. At this point, that's better than, you know, what we've you know seen the first few weeks. Let's not, you know, create more problems than what's already happening. Cause I mean, to be honest, the defense has played solid so far. And if you just don't turn it over, if you don't let them score on defense, Hey, then maybe the game's a little bit closer at the end, and all you have to do is kind of drive down and you know. What a novel concept! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't let yeah. the defense yeah. score yeah. the football. That sounds yeah. great yeah. to me, James. Yeah, yeah. I love That's, this plan. Yeah, it's, it's hard because <laughs> you know they scored, giving up obviously with like three defensive touchdowns in two weeks. That's obviously pretty absurd. So if they can just protect the football, that's like one of my main things. They can just protect it on offense. Obviously, they have to be able to score points and be able to move the ball methodically. You know to be able to score points, but if they just protect it, I think that'll, you know, give everybody a sigh of relief. And snap into NFL action this season with the Never Eric's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200. That's two zero zero in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, you hear me make these ad reads and hopefully don't fast forward. Get your money and get into the action right now. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders. I hit the under 
for Patriots Dolphins. I just had the wrong team winning. Uh, and lots more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. $200 in bonus bets with just your first $5 bet. Must be 21 year older and present Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as a non withdrawable bonus bet and expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions to apply. Please see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline MA.org or call 800 327 for 24 7 support. Play it smart from the start. Game says MA.com or call 1 800 GAM 1234. So the, the trouble, because Bill actually said that a week ago, you know, on the radio Monday coming off the Dallas game. Hey, when we didn't turn the ball over, we didn't get sacked. We won. There's the formula. Yeah. And I go, okay, great. Well, here's life in the NFL. It's not always going to go like that. You know, yeah. you need a way to overcome it. You need an extra yeah. gear. You know, you see it with the other teams that you mentioned, even those Bills and the Chiefs. Like, yeah, it starts yeah. with a great quarterback and good coaching. But they have players who can make up for those mistakes. They have a yeah. wider margin for error. And I look at this offense and go, you're walking a tightrope every single week. Like, everything needs to be perfect. Mac needs to stay in the pocket. Protection needs to be solid. The timing of the routes needs to be quick because – they're not going to be able to wiggle free, you know, from a tackle or kind of shake someone loose and be there. There are no explosive players on this team. And so when I look at the injuries too, Juju lost in that game to Mario Douglas, got concussed. Mike Onwenu might've re-aggravated an ankle injury or has a new one. It's just, it, it's hard. So when you look at all these problems, where do you, where, where do you start? Okay. You get to go to the front of the room or run this offensive meeting when they're stripping everything down and going, what, what can we do? Like, Quarterback, as I detail, has been an issue. Receiver separation. The offensive line's not run blocking or pass blocking. The scheme is as basic as can be. Where do you change things first? For me, it's the offensive line. Everything on offense starts with the offensive line. If they don't protect the quarterback, he's probably not going to go out there perform well. If they can't run block, I mean, not giving your running backs a chance. It's the NFL, if you're getting you know, hit in the backfield you know, every other play or most plays or at the line of scrimmage every play, yeah, I mean, the, the, your break tackle percentage probably isn't going to be high with defensive linemen who are 300 pounds or, or right there waiting on you when you touch the football. So for me, that was – I know there's guys been banged up in and out of the lineup. Trent missed a game. You know, Mike has missed some time. Cole Strange missed some time. So whenever you're shuffling, you know, offensive line lineups, that's – you always see it every year in the NFL. There's some teams that have, you know, tw- whatever, 17 different, you know, starting offensive line lineups line throughout the season. And it's typically – the teams that have the worst, you know, offensive line throughout the entire year. So if you ever get some continuity up there and they're able to, you know, work with one another from and build from, you know, whatever, week six, week seven, week eight, then I feel like they'll have some sort of improvement. For me, it starts with the offensive line. That's the first thing that I would fix. And obviously I'm going to go to the quarterback. Mac, just don't turn the football over. If there's nothing there, get rid of the football, you know, you know whatever. And if there's pressure on you, sometimes you're going to have to stand there and try to make a throw. Maybe a guy's not – exactly completely open maybe you have to throw them open I, I don't know like I, I haven't watched like actual game tape so I can't sit here and say you know what's what like as far as him reading everything but from the like from the tv it just looks like once there's pressure on him I, mean, I feel like this game against the Saints he was still feeling pressure from the game the previous week against the Cowboys because once yeah. they started to heat him up a little bit on the Cowboys that's when he's starting to escape the pocket and try and find a play you know, escaping to his right, that's like his favorite thing to do whenever he feels a little bit of pressure. He always, you know, kind of bubbles and goes to his right. Sometimes there's going to be, you know, some sort of pressure, but the guys are still kind of holding on to their blocks. You just kind of have to, you know, stand in there, see if anybody's open that way. So that would be my next thing, just protect the football. And then when you have your opportunities to make plays down the field, you got to you gotta hit them because 
right now they're not a team that's very good at that. Maybe when they get Tyquan Thornton back, he's a guy who can stretch the field and, you know. Yeah, they're, they're the worst in the league. Yeah, Throws yeah. 20 yards or downfield <laughs> air yards. They're, they're absolute worst in the league. Let's stay with yeah. Mac, though, really quickly because Tyquan might come back. He was yeah. available to at least if they wanted to take him off injured reserve. Uh, they didn't. Maybe he'll be back. I don't, I don't have terribly high hopes for him. But even if Tyquan Thornton comes out and plays a game of his life. Yeah, it's not. It's not Vegas, just. He's, he's you not saying Mac Jones to get him the ball. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there are real questions about Mac. I don't even think long term. Like somehow in the last two weeks he's gone from maybe he's around for year four to it's really difficult to yeah. imagine him back next season. But again, let's stay here. Let's yeah. not look too far ahead. Bill's message to him has been what you just said for two weeks, protect the ball, and he hasn't done it. Pick six in the first half of both of these last two games, and they just get absolutely um, piled on. Would you bench him for the sake of knowing what guys in the locker room are hearing that message and then watching him play and playing with him and going, he's not getting the message, and if you keep rolling Mac out, what does that message say to us when he's a big reason why we're losing and yet you don't do anything about it if you're if you're Bill? I mean, I don't, I don't bench him because you don't have a, to me, you don't have a better option on the football team. So obviously, like I said, Bailey, he came in last year and did what he was supposed to do and went, went, won a couple of games for the football team. But I said, he's, you've seen when he comes in at the end of games or when he came in last year, when Matt came back, it, it wasn't, you know, the greatest. So for me, I don't think anybody's turning their, their back on Matt because they obviously see the work he puts in. He puts the work in on a daily basis, film, you know, all that stuff. And they've seen, you know, the the good, you know, from maybe not this year, but from in previous years, from his first year, you know, a tiny bit of last year, they see the potential of what he can be. And I think anybody who's, you know, been on the practice field or been in the game with him, they know he's has the potential of being a good football quarterback. I think it just takes everybody just taking that onus. And I said, everybody has to help him out. Offensive line has to protect better. Receivers create more separation. You know, running backs whatever something's not there make a hole yourself i think if everybody just takes a little bit more of the onus take some of the pressure off him because you know coming into the year i, f- I already knew he was going to feel you know some of that pressure based off how he performed last year the offensive coordinator situation i felt like he was gonna like i gotta go out here and prove myself and i, I feel like that's probably part of the issue too like he's like trying to show you know what he can do when at the quarterback position you can't force things you can't create things if there's nothing there there's there's nothing there. You can't just scramble, scramble, scramble. Then, okay, I'm going to throw it back across the field and try and make something work that way. But play's not there. It's just not there. You live to fight another play. So, yeah, that, that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> well, let's go to Bill then um, because, you know, he, he is – I'm taking a beating on Twitter, which what does that say? I mean, Twitter is not a place for self-esteem. It's not yeah, yeah, for anything yeah, happy yeah. generally. Complete, but complete negativity. It's turning him in a way that yeah. we've not seen before because the last two games were things that we have never – seen before the worst losses of his tenure as a head coach here in new England. And part of the messaging has been so consistent that I think it irritates fans who want answers about who want answers about Mac or the offense, the direction, as opposed to just the kind of same old lines. And it amuses me as someone who has heard these same old lines, when (laughs) you guys are running at the peak and all of a sudden people care about the press conferences. It's always Bill's prerogative. That's fine. I don't take it. It's not going to change. Let's not acknowledge this is a new person kind of behind the mic. The reason I bring that up though, is because, you know, the, the fan pressure reaches ownership in a certain way. Is it through the media? Is it through close friends of Robert Kraft? And Bill, inevitably now, I think it's fair to say, is absolutely on, is on the hot seat. And Boomer Esiason this morning raised the point that maybe Bill's not connecting with players these days as well as he used to. Um, you came in about 10 years ago in the league. Players were different then, just in that 10-year yeah. span. 
Do you give any credence to that? Um, I would say no. I think he's adapted. I think each year, obviously, you know, the locker room starts to get a little bit younger. The generations start to get a little bit like younger and all that stuff. You have to become a little bit more familiar with, you know, what makes those guys tick, how you can get those guys motivated. And I think like I was in the building last year and they have a lot of those same younger guys, you know, still there from when I was there. He knows how to connect with those guys. I don't think that's really the issue. How does I he do it? Me, just to, just to illustrate, like, I, I believe you, but it's, it's, yeah. it's easier to know, you know, when, when you, like, when you show us. Like for me, he's like the meetings, you know, when I, when I was a rookie are completely different than, than what they are right now. And, I mean, he still like calls people out and things like that, but he's a little, I feel like to me, he's a little less harsh, a little bit more, a little bit less like aggressive, like on some of those younger guys than, you know, in years past, like when you had guys like, you know, Tom and Devin McCourty. And like I said, that's the point I was trying to get to. Like okay. a lot of those guys, like whatever, like myself, Tom, Devin, you know, Slate's still there, David Andrews still there. A lot of those guys are gone. So you don't have that little nucleus of guys who, whatever, who've been there for five plus years that can kind of, you know, share or kind of spread that message that, you know, coaches trying to spread on a day-to-day basis or show those guys, those younger guys, not saying they don't know how to work, but, you know, how to be prepared, how to, how to turn the page, how to improve, like how to take the coaching that he's putting, putting at you or when he, when he does put you out on the film, like it's not to, you know, try and knock you down. It's to try to make you improve yourself. And so you're not on that tape. Once again, I think, it's just all about being accountable. And I think it's just hard because once a lot of those, you know, core pieces start, start leaving, it's like I said, it's hard to kind of keep that, keep that whole thing together. Like I said, they have good players. I think it just takes time for them to get that understanding of, you know, his coaching style, what he's trying to see from them and for them to be able to execute that on Sundays. So that speaks almost to buy-in the way that, boy, yeah. that I hear that. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you see a lack of buy-in? Yeah. I mean, for me, like, <laughs> Like I said, I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Just like it just seems like so lethargic. I like I don't like I don't know what's the like defense. I think is fine. Like they they seem like they play with energy. They seem like they're playing together. Offense just seem like like nobody's playing together. Like you know, guys, Mister Block is just like whatever. Like they don't or a guy gave up a sack. It's like all right, like like whatever. Like like that type of thing. Like third and third and ten, nobody's open. It's like, all right, whatever. Like, we'll try it again. Like, like nobody's on the sideline talking to one another, trying to motivate each other. Like, it just seems disconnected on the offensive side of things, which is, like I said, it's so weird to see. Like, I, whether it's got to be, you know, Mac, I mean, like I said, he's not, whatever, performing that well. So maybe he doesn't feel comfortable doing that at this point. Like, walking down, like, okay, I, I, like, I need you right here. Like, DP, I need you right here on this third down. Hunter, I need you right here. Like, Ramondre, let's get it going. Line, I need a little bit more protection, like that type of thing. Or David Andrews walking down there talking to Mac. Come on, Mac, like, let, let's get it going. Like, you don't see – I mean, I, like I said, we don't see everything from the TV copy, but it just doesn't seem like they have that, like, togetherness, like, on offense. I don't know. Okay, so you guys have heard me talk a fair amount about betting on this podcast, giving you some advice, told you where to make those bets. So I got a quick question for you. What if there was an app that used AI and machine learning to suggest smart sports bets? Well, good news, and you might have guessed it. There is, and that app is called Odds Are. It's the mobile app you need to know what bets of the day are the smart ones. So just download the app right now. I'm serious. And sign up for an account and just let the latest data analysis guide you through today's point spreads, money lines, and over-unders. If you see green, that's a smart bet. If you see yellow, you're on your own. And if you see red, just don't do it. Move on to the next. Because odds are doesn't take your bets. 
it makes you better at making them. And with the odds are on your mobile phone, you're always a tap away from making a smart play every day. It's smart betting made simple. So find the odds are app in the app store or on Google Play and get a two week free trial. It's just 10 bucks a month after that because the casinos and sports books want you to bet, but odds are wants you to win. Go get it. Pat's Interference listeners actually get a special deal too. You get your first 30 days of the app free, totally free. If you go to odds are, that's O-D-D-S, the letter R.com slash Pat's to download the app. That's odds are.com slash P-A-T-S for 30 days of smarter betting. Free! I'd call that a winning bet. No, I, I I mean, I gave an example right off the top. Again, things that we had kind of texted about. Mike, the scheme is as simple as it can be. There's missing fundamentals. But between that, connecting, you know, the scheme to the execution is the chemistry. Quarterback yeah. to receiver, the timing with the offensive line and how they're, you know, passing off blocks or stunts or whatever it might be. And that's missing. You know, it yeah. doesn't mean they have to be best friends off the field yeah. to have chemistry on the field. But, like, that lack of connection that you're, you're talking to is a major reason yeah. for a non-existent deep passing game struggles in the short area and in pass protection where, you know, Tony Omafi's giving these up left and right because he just can't get on the same page with David Andrews or Trent Brown. And then Vidarian Lowe is a different issue, but tackles mostly work in isolation anyway. So I, I think it's a really good point. Something that hasn't been brought up a lot in these parts, just because there's so many issues to pick from, <laughs> but it not only reinforces what we know, the play in the field isn't good, but it highlights something that might be missing away from the camera, that yeah. kind of connection or camaraderie that does help reinforce what you have in the field, which is that, that kind of chemistry. So how do you fix that? I mean, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, like I said, I think it starts with, you know, having the same guys on the field, like from week to week or day to day on the practice field. And I said, just executing and practice, whatever, like I said, finding out like what make guys like tick or what, Whatever, like it's if it's low, if it's Moffitt, like find out what gets those guys motivated, find out what gets gets them going, whether it's Mac having to talk to them to uplift their spirit to try and you know make them perform better, whatever it is, whether it's you know, Mac doing a few extra reps with the receivers, you know, after practice. You know, like I said, I don't know what the exact thing is. I think for them, they're gonna have to figure that, you know, kind of out on their own. What's gonna be the way that they can gel the fastest because I said there's some new faces, but there's still some familiar faces that have been there together for two or three years. So you would figure, you know, some of that chemistry would still be there with I think the chemistry is still there between Mac, KB, <laughs> sorry, you know, Mac and Hunter Henry, which they haven't their connection has been a little off so far to kind of start the year. But I said there's some there's the Juju. Like Juju hasn't, you know, done much of anything so far. Cause Seki, we've seen like a tiny bit. We haven't seen too much of that. So and like, I don't know, just like the, like I said, the, whether it's guys just, like I said, I don't think it's not guys like chewing each other out, but just like figuring out like what's going to get guys to play with a little bit of an edge on the offensive side of things. I gotcha. Which is, you know, brings to mind the defense, right? Which just lost Matt Judon, who I think yeah. was their edge, right? That yeah, energy, yeah. that juice, you know, the unofficial captain who's not going to go out there for the coin toss because he wasn't drafted, developed here, isn't in on those meetings, but is a leader, certainly in, yeah. in his own way. It's something that was yeah. needed, I think, when he got here, bringing a different dynamic. Um, they lose that. And I, if it wasn't for the way they just got bowled over in that Saints game, which was really jarring to me, like I, in answering my own question off the top, they just got manhandled. Like just up front, steady runs, Kamara. And you don't see that from the defense a whole lot. Yeah. But let's say that they had held the Saints to 13 or 16 and you know, did, did a better job. 
Do you see any risk of kind of a schism in the locker room where the defense goes, hey, last year and a half, we've we've been carrying you guys. We've been holding your hand. We've been doing our part. And offensively, you just have to pick it up and you haven't been. And that's why we're losing. No, I don't think so. I think there's an understanding there and every team is built differently. I think probably coming to the year, they probably expected like a little bit more from the offense, but yeah, we all see, did. Yeah, yeah. But I said, you got to see it first, obviously. So I, I don't think it'd be that. Like every team is going to have like one side of the ball is going to be a little bit more of a strength than the other. Obviously, this is, this one's a little bit more drastic than, than some others. But I think if, the defense could continue to like try and limit points and give the offense more opportunities. I think that's what's going to try and, you know, bowl well for them. And I think the defense, I thought they played a solid game. I don't think like Derek Carr didn't shred them up. Kamara was running the ball really well, but I said they had favorable field position, probably the majority of the game. So that, that plays a big factor in it too. And we spotted them, you know, seven points at it interception, you know, in Patriot territory, all that stuff, and, and a fumble in Patriot territory, too, on the, the third and one. So when a team's starting across the 50-yard line, you know, well, at least three or four possessions, I mean, yeah, you're probably going to give up some points defensively. So offense has to do a better job of helping them out, stop putting them in tough spots. But I don't think there's going to be any schism when it comes to that. I think Bill does a great job of, I said, understanding the pulse of the team, knowing where they're at. And I'm sure, I'm sure like Mayo and a little – Belichick or, you know, they're probably emphasizing like, look, your offense, they're trying to figure out over there. Let's let's do our part to help them look, create turnovers, all that good stuff to kind of get them short fields. And then whatever we we get a pick and whatever their opponent's territory, give them a short field, let them go score. And then, OK, maybe they feel a little bit more confident coming out the next drive when they have to drive, you know, 80, 75 yards, that type of thing. I don't think there'll be any division in the locker room. All right. Well, the special teams obviously can't point to the offense either because right now they're ranked dead last by TV away and other missed field goal for the rookie yeah, Chad Ryland. Things are, are about as bad over there in special teams land as they are offensively. Okay. I mentioned his name earlier and, you know, we, we talk about Mac and we talk about Bill and who's going to stay and who could go. What are the big changes? You know, Robert Kraft, can step in anytime that he wants. He's not yeah. someone who tends to step in, understanding that Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. You tend to go with the greatest coach of all time when it comes to decision-making. But Bill is also 26 and 30 over the last three-plus seasons. Mac has never looked worse, in my opinion, in a Patriots uniform. And I'm just curious how all of this is sitting with him. As someone who's benefited from patience and playing the long game here, I don't, I don't want to talk about firing Bill or anything close to that right yet, but just knowing him as you do, and as someone who's still a competitive person, you know, and cutthroat when it comes to business and football, how do you think he's processing all this? Um, I'm not exactly sure, but like I know, you know, I know Robert, I know Bill. They both want to win, and for them, these past three years are obviously unacceptable. And you know, for themselves, I know Bill's obviously not happy. Kraft's not happy. Jonathan Kraft's right, not happy. So for me, I'm sure he wants to see know how the year you know ends up like i said there's still a lot to process throughout the entire season there's still the potential of them you know kind of getting back in the running like we said it's like a five percent chance of them making the playoffs and all that stuff but yeah i mean i'm sure they have conversations i don't know how often but i'm sure at least once or twice a week about you know what's the state of the team and the state of locker room like a future type of thing i mean i i said i never been a head coach or been an owner. So I don't know how that dynamic exactly works, but as an owner, you want to see your football team winning. So I said, I don't know what that looks like as far as, 
the Bill Belichick thing, but I, I don't think he would ever fire Bill, in my opinion. It'd be some something a different situation. I don't know how they would handle that, but I, I would never see them actually firing a guy like Bill Belichick. Wow. Now is just that because of his standing? Because I'll, I'll let me outline a scenario here where you know it's not only just that Bill's the head coach, right? He's the GM, has final yeah. control, say, over the entirety of the roster. So whether you look at Mac and go, okay, that's his fault. Let's say you're in that camp, or you go, oh, it's the offensive line's fault. No, they're not run blocking well enough. They're not pass protecting <laughs> for Mac. Defense isn't creating enough turnovers. Bill handpicked all of those parts and put them into place. And I'm not advocating yeah. for his yeah. firing. I'm just outlining that. When you look at it from that standpoint and then go, okay, they go to Vegas this Sunday. They come back against Buffalo. Then you go on the road to Miami where, you know, you, you're from South Florida. You love yeah. Miami. But it seemed like you hated playing there because yeah. you guys always got bumped. Yeah, and right now, lost. you look at yeah, these three games, the Patriots are going to be underdogs in all three of those games. And they don't win as underdogs as Mac Jones or haven't since you guys went to Buffalo in that windstorm game. So this has opened the door to a one and seven start. Yeah. And then Bill is 26 and 33 since Tom Brady left. And I don't know how many NFL coaches, even with the, the most sparkling resume, the one responsible for the greatest 20 year run in NFL history, which it, he, he deserved more equity and credit than he's been given right now. But yeah. we're going to do the same thing when Brady left, which is come back and everyone's going to forget it. And thank you for all the memories and yada, yada. But right now it sucks to be Bill. Yeah. But when you think about one and seven and you think about the roster control and the obvious flaws, as I saw them in the offseason, get a right tackle. Draft a number one receiver, someone who can separate. Freaking sign DeAndre Hopkins, who is in the building. And they don't do any of those. Bill doesn't do any of that. Do you find that any more compelling? Because it's this, it seems like the road they're headed down right now. Yeah, I mean, it definitely becomes more compelling. You're, you're a one-to-seven football team. You struggled on offense last year. Yeah, I mean, the question definitely begins to be raised. Like I said, I don't know, you know how that conversation goes. I just It's just very hard for me to see them firing a guy like Bill Belichick, but like, yeah, like there's, I said, I don't, I don't think, I know I saw something like about tanking, like all he not, Bill's not into that. I mean, he's going to want to go out there and win, whether they're one and seven, one and eight, you know, one and 10, like that's just the type of, you know, coach he is, the type of competitor that he is. He wants to win. I know the crafts want to win. Like I said, I don't know how that conversation goes. I just see it hard for me to see them, you know, let him go. Like obviously, if it gets like very bad, like I don't know where they have a conversation. Like, hey, like okay, let's let's scrap this year. Give you, you know, whatever, a couple more years trying to figure this out. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, this is definitely a conversation going to be had between fans, media, all that stuff. You see it already, and we're only whatever six games into the six games into the year when he still has an opportunity to kind of possibly turn around. Kind of hard to see, like I said, but. <laughs> Like I said, there's there's still a lot to play for, but yeah, I'm sure the question will continue to arise if they continue to lose football games. All right, so obviously I don't know if you were at work, you were in school, running errands, or just sitting around thinking about that last Patriots game, but I would bet there are some nights you don't feel like cooking dinner, or maybe even lunch, or maybe even getting up to make breakfast. Well, good news for you, as well as for me, we have Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, which can help you fuel up fast just like me, whether it is breakfast, lunch, or dinner. All of their meals are chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat, delivered straight to your doors. You will save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle through Factor. And that's if you are someone who's looking for extra protein with their Protein Plus meals that have 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Or low-calorie, not a problem. Dietitian approved calorie smart meals start at 550 calories per serving 
Or if you want something fall, who doesn't? You can go with some of their hearty, comforting meals with seasonal vegetables like cranberry pecan chicken or apple Dijon pork chops ready in just two minutes. That's the deal with Factor. It's quick, easy, and healthy. So right now, go to factormeals.com slash Callahan50. That's my last name, the number 50. Use code Callahan50 to get 50% off. That's code Callahan50 and factormeals.com. Don't wait any longer. Factormeals.com slash Callahan50 to get 50% off your first meals. No more cooking, folks. It's right there. Just click. All right. Uh, two quick things. You mentioned tanking. Let's talk about that right now because I'll make, you know, my feelings as someone who went on the record and said in 2020, just, just now's the time. You know, like the cap is, is setting up. Bring back James White, first of all. Then go get a first-round <laughs> quarterback that offseason in 2021. Um, but – it just looked to me like the the stars had a line to lose a season that was so interfered with by COVID-19. You guys couldn't go anywhere anyway. Ton of dead money, yada, yada, yada. Didn't do it. You know, they didn't do it because Bill will never do it. It, yeah, it would, I think, offend him down to every fiber in his being, his competitive soul as a football coach, <laughs> someone raised in a film room. I'm not even kidding. And it just it, 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 it will never happen. Life. Yeah, it'll never happen. So it'll never happen. <laughs> the other part about this is I just think it's much more difficult than we in the media make it out to be is just say go ahead and tank lose you know like we're playing on madden and you jack it up to all madden and you just run the ball every <laughs> single play and oh no fast forward uh, when i get to april and i get to take the number one kid at the usc is going to be a 98 in a couple of years it doesn't work that way you have a locker room to attend to grown men who are trying to make a living and get yeah. more money or play out a contract here and understand that winning and losing makes a big impact as much as their own individual statistics and to make the sell that we need to lose now for some rookies going to come in next year. We don't know who it is yet. Oh, and they might get hurt or they might not be good enough. It's a really one difficult to make to guys like you who have a family or near the end of your careers or are just trying to play out one more season. Did, did I hit it on the head? Am I missing yeah, anything? Yeah. Or Tell me more about how you would feel if Bill came yeah. in and said, we're going to play the young guys and that's going to be it. Yeah. I mean, he, to me, he would never do that. I could never see them doing that. It's just the tanking thing. I don't, I never completely understand in the first place. Like, obviously, you're betting on guys like Caleb Williams to come in and, you know, transcend your entire franchise for years and years to come. But there's still, there's no 100% guarantee. Like, like I would think he's going to be a, a great NFL quarterback. You know, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a great NFL receiver, but there's still no 100% guarantee. You can do all that and then you get Caleb Williams and you're still in the same boat, but he can't, he can't do it by himself. <laughs> so, I mean, you know what I mean? So I, I just can't see that from this organization. I couldn't see it from, you know, the crafts as well. I don't think they would want to be out there every Sunday or Monday, Thursday, whatever it is, losing football games to try and, you know, get a higher draft pick. I think they're going to figure out a way to turn around. I know, I'm the crafts want to see it. Bill want to see it. The players in the locker room want to see it. He, like I said, you can't, you don't want to show up to work you know, as a, as a veteran player, knowing that like they're not putting their best foot forward so that somebody's going to come and potentially replace you the next year when you're trying to provide for your family and all that good stuff. And you're trying to whatever fight for your next contract because you don't know exactly when your career is going to be over. So yeah, the taking thing, I just don't see that flying, you know, within that organization. I mean, I mean, I've never been any other organization. Maybe that, that does happen in some form or fashion, but yeah, I don't, I can't see that. <laughs> yeah. How would you react though quickly? Like say you, you're still in the locker room playing out your last year, you're in the captain's meetings whenever you, you know, the captains meet with Bill every single week. He yeah. gives a speech, we're rolling with the kids and and then you have to come up and talk to him. What what would you say? 
that's some bull. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I wouldn't. Like I said, as a competitor, like I'm not, like I'm not having that for for me. I mean, I don't know how anybody else would react, but yeah, I'm, I'm going out there. Like I said, I want to put my best foot forward. Whether we're like I said, one and ten, one and seven, one and three, whatever it is, I want to put my best foot forward. Regardless, like I said, everybody is there for a reason. As a, as a coach, like you want to win football games is, is good for you, and as a player, you want to win and compete as hard as you possibly can. You want to put nothing but as much good tape out there as possible. And if you're out there, you know, not drawing up a great game plan or not trying your best out there, that's not going to help you going forward. Yeah. And then it's you, your tape is your living resume. So yeah. that's bad tape. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. help you. Even if you yeah. need to go get a new job, somebody else, because those front offices are looking going, this stinks. You're sparting with bad yeah. offense. And it just, yeah. it just <laughs> kind of spreads. At, you look at your most recent tape. I mean, you're only yeah. as good as your last game. So. <laughs> All right, I said I had two things. I'm going to get to mailbag. We are going to attack this as like a joint therapy session for all the fans who are very upset. <laughs> but the one thing, it's it's very small, and it feels very unlikely, but everything is on the table when you have the worst rushing offense and the worst passing offense in the league. And Bill, I think, knows he's coaching for his job, my, in my opinion. Yeah. Quarterback position was something they dabbled with in rotating in one Malik Cunningham during the preseason in training camp. And what looked like to me at the time, maybe a – goal line or red zone package where he's introducing some more option runs, things that they haven't run before, at least since Cam, but were this summer. We haven't seen Malik Cunningham at all because you're not going to find a quarterback on the open market. Even if you do, they're going to need to learn the offense. And that's why Will Greer basically is in the backup right now. Yeah. What do you think of at least Malik Cunningham playing part-time as kind of a changeup knowing, okay, we thought we hit rock bottom that we didn't, but either way, what do we have to lose at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think everything's on the table at this point. Like, we saw what he could potentially be, you know, as a quarterback or a potential whatever receiver or kind of change of pace quarterback, like a Taysom Hill type of thing during the preseason. Like I said, I, I can see that definitely being a viable option. But I just know, you know, for Bill Belichick, each roster spot on game day is very important to him. For Malik to have to come in there and get that role, he's going to have to play on special teams as well, whether it's Gunner you know, playing on punt return, holding up guys. He's going to have to do a little bit more than just that package. But I said, I think that would be a good thing. Give, you know, teams a little bit of something to actually prepare for because he's willing and able to throw the football as well, too. Probably better than Taysom Hill, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, uh, it's a bad day for me because I can't clown Taysom Hill in the way that I have historically. I mean, good for him. Like that contract yeah. should go into the football business hall yeah. of fame for what he's done. And he's yeah. also stiff arming, you know, kind of your friend and mine, Adrian Phillips for a little bit and had a very good game, but uh, I'm with you. Not, not threatened by Taysom Hill, the passer, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we have a lot to learn. I said up the top, yeah. this is just Monday night. Tuesday could bring sweeping changes. I, I don't know anything <laughs> for sure, but like, I, you know, you, you're not even in the red zone yet. So you might as well just have the threat of a guy with four or five yeah. speed to kind of get in the edge and, and maybe create something. Okay. Mailbag time. Everyone is here laying on my couch that you cannot see. And I've referenced that for two episodes of the visual medium that no one cares about right now. We have Megan and we have Ashley sitting right here next to us. And they are asking similar questions. If the Patriots become sellers, which I can only imagine, you know, as we discussed, you're, you're one in seven. The trade deadline is after that road game against Miami on the 29th. Um, which players on the roster they want to know could you see being traded? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I've never really been in this type of position. Um, typically, it's us trying to add somebody to the team to try and help us get to the, you know, playoffs or make it to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I 
I don't know who would be a guy that they would try and sell. Maybe one of their receivers potentially. I like I don't know, but I mean, who's trying to get somebody from a, a one and whatever football team if that's the case? So I like I don't know who's going to be that interested or what is Bill trying to get? Is he trying to get draft capital from for me? He's the type of guy who's just trying to improve the football team for that year. So I don't think he's going to really try and trade a potentially good football player to try and whatever get get a draft pick. I I don't I don't really see that. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough question because even yeah. you know I mentioned twenty twenty is the year I I said go tank, and yeah. I think it was it was that season. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Isaiah Ford who's traded up from Miami. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's yeah. a season where we're going like, okay, probably not going too far yeah. here. He gets moved up, doesn't even play a game for you guys, you know, a receiver cast off. And I was kind of looking at Cedric Wilson in this last episode, but he has four catchers for Miami this weekend. And uh, cause they just got chase Claypool. But as far as players being traded off the roster, the difficulty with this is not only, which is you outlined of a coach on the hot seat needs to improve his roster. Can't do that by offloading some of his better players, which are the only ones that are going to fetch any assets in return. <laughs> um, but you don't have that many assets to begin with. And the ones that you do have are in contract years. And you mentioned receivers. I would look at Kendrick Bourne as someone who yeah. they took calls on last year. There were multiple teams in the AFC and NFC and a couple contenders in the AFC, I think would come calling again. Um, he's in the last year of his deal. Very team-friendly deal. Another player, Josh Uche. Young rising pass rusher, very very valuable, especially in the old role that he had before before Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, he's someone entering a contract year, so that's going to depress the value that they could fetch in return. It's not going to be a second round pick for either one of those guys or a third round pick because the team that trades for them knows they probably need to sign Josh Uche or Kendrick Bourne after the season. And we could talk about Trent Brown, another contract year. Hunter Henry, contract year. Some of your better players at positions that are a little too thin. And that's the issue with the roster that you have now is it's not good enough to win. It's not good yeah. enough to sell off. So yeah. the, those two players would be the ones that I would keep in mind. Um, but if they do swing a deal, like you're thinking, where they add to the roster, it would have to be a similar deal that we just saw. Where, again, you're not selling anyone off like Megan and Ashley are asking, but you're doing a pick swap deal that netted J.C. Jackson in return. Yeah. And there are yeah. just very few players that fit that mold of we trust him, we know him, and he's you know been here before. And yeah. we go back around as opposed to giving up a pick. I mean, is there anyone across the league that you look at and go, okay, maybe he doesn't check all of those boxes, but would fit here in a way that could help them moving forward if they're not one and seven, but maybe three and um, five? Uh, for free agent, I know Lyle Collins, he's a free agent, right? That's a guy who like, I would love to see, obviously, get him in, play tackle. I think that would be be huge for the football team. Anybody else that would be able to Any trade off? targets? I mean, then we're trade. talking about, like, you know, in the AFC, maybe the Broncos, if they decide to sell, everyone's going to bring Judy, up Gary Judy. But Judy, you're... but, yeah, I don't think that makes that much of a difference, like, for the offense. Uh, I think Judy's a good football player, but I don't think that changes – you know, much of their concerns. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Um, like, I don't, Bill's never been like that crazy of a person. Like you would see, like, like we traded like Jamie one year. I think, what did we trade Chandler? Did we trade Chandler during the season or that during the off season? That was Jamie. Yeah. Chandler was off season. Off season. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very, very rare. I mean, unless guys like, I know we've gotten like Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, like during the season, that type of thing. Maybe if a guy like, like that potentially talented becomes available at that time. Maybe he makes a, you know, a trade like that to try and boost the the team. But I guess it just depends on 
you know, what's their record, you know, come week eight, you know, that type of thing. Do they feel like they're still competitive? Like, like, what is that? I think that plays a big factor too. Uh, we, we, again, we have a lot of questions. I want to get to them quickly, <laughs> but you mentioned Antonio Brown and I do not remember the 11 <laughs> days that he was in New England very fondly uh, in case I do not remember them well at all. Can you share any story from that time? We can even just stick to practice because the connection you have with Tom, and I know you're laughing, so I'm trying, I'm trying to help you lead you through here, the minefield that is Antonio Brown discussions and stories. But I had heard from someone at the time, the practice was so good, the connection between Brady and Antonio Brown, that Bill had essentially had to say stop, like just, just throw somewhere else with the defense. Is that true, or is there anything like that you can share? I mean, the the connection was there pretty pretty quickly, and you can you can see why. Like he was an all pro and all that stuff. He was he was that type of dude. Like you can just extremely talented. Like I know, like what everybody sees right now, like all that stuff off the field. Yeah, but not, not great. Yeah, but on the field, puts in the work. Like goes hard every single time. He catches a pass. He's taking it to the end zone, coming back. You know, wants to catch another pass again. So like. Like he's definitely that type of dude. He's, he's that guy on the football field. Like obviously he's a, he's a wild boy, you know, off the field. He's going to do his thing. He's about, about himself. But I said, you put him between those lines. He's a problem <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> do you remember any moment for practice or play in particular where they were carving up in 11s? Um, I don't know if I remember any play specifically, but I, I know he caught like a deep pass during practice, and just everybody's like, oh, like, hey, like, like he's a true but A fun, funny story though. Like when the defensive period was uh was up, like offensive players, like the guys who were like whatever player, like starters or whatnot, kind of just sit back and watch type of thing. And uh, Antonio Brown and like Philip Dorsett, said they were talking a little bit, and like they were like practicing like like dances. Like for one of them score a touchdown, Josh, like, let's, let's, let's not do that. Let's, let's not do that right now. Like he, he was preparing for the game, trying to get all his handshakes and dances ready to go. So he's definitely entertaining 100%. That's a, that's a hell of a way to arrive. It's just planning. Not only am I planning to score, this is I'm going to celebrate after the fact. Uh, first impression with Josh McDaniels. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Boy, oh boy. Okay, enough Antonio Brown. Uh, Cam wants to know, quote, anyway, Mac and Bill are both back for next year. Personally, uh, this is Cam. I think the offensive line or a skilled player would be a better pick than a quarterback, unless it's Caleb Williams. He mentions Brock Bowers and uh, Harrison, which I have to assume is Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, what do you think? Millen, uh, Millen back. Mac and Bill, are they both back next year? I think so. I think they'll both be back. Uh, just depends. I think Mac will be back. Depends how he performs, you know, from right now through the rest of the season. I mean, they'll definitely – I can see them still bringing in draft of somebody, you know, sign a free agent, that type of thing. And like I said, whether it's a competition, whether maybe that guy ends up, you know, being the guy based off his contract, that type of thing. But I definitely see Mac and Bill being back there next year. I said it just depends how he performs throughout the rest of the season. He has to be a lot better, a lot, lot better than what he is right now. And I said I think he has it 
I think he has it in him to be. So I think he has to get out of his own way. I think that's the biggest thing. Does that mean turnovers, or does that mean anything kind of locker room or leadership it, it, related? No, I think I think it's it's turnovers, not even just turnovers, just getting back to themselves, just going through your progressions, trusting you know the play calling that type of thing. Just I say, yeah, he has happy feet right now. Like he he gets to the top of his drop, and like you can see it in his feet, he's uncomfortable, which is like I said, which is understandable based off the way that the offensive line has been protected for him. But like I said. Like you're gonna get some pressure sometimes. You just have to be able to stand in there and still go through your process. And like I said, if there's nothing there, don't try and you know be too creative and try and force something. It, it hasn't worked so far, and this is gonna continue not to work as the year goes on. Yeah. Uh, for my money, I don't think Mac is back next year. And maybe mm-hmm. I'm doing prisoner of the moment thing. I just <laughs> it, it's been unpleasant and strong. But Mac and Bailey competing as they have been or jockeying for the job has been pretty icy, I think, in the locker room and snippets we've gotten on TV between the two of them. And I don't know how Mac would deal with being, you know, a backup or fighting for his job again, particularly against another rookie. I think would certainly want another opportunity to go elsewhere because, again, he's a pocket-bound guy. When you have the worst yeah. pass-protecting line in league, granted it's only week five, heading into week six, I just don't know how that's going to instantly be remedied and upgraded. And I think if the Patriots go – if this is Bill's back and it could be his last year, he goes, I need someone better if I'm going to get to this Don yeah. Shula record. Uh, but we are a ways from away from that. I mean, it's very cloudy. I think the future yeah. as we stand yeah. here, as it always is in October, yeah. who knows <laughs> what's going to happen next month or in a couple of weeks from now, because two weeks yeah. from, from yesterday, you know, going into Dallas is like, they could win two and two. Yeah, Completely yeah. Season <laughs> change yeah. win, and lo and behold, they're uh, lower than they've ever been. All right. J uh, HC wants to know, quote, what are a few things they can do to help the offensive line? One fewer tight end and an extra offensive lineman, you'll jumbo package. What do you think? Uh, I think using both tight ends. That's what I thought they were going to be doing a lot, you know, coming to this year, 12 personnel, creating kind of mismatches on defense. How do they, how do defense want to match up against that? You know, dime, nickel, regular personnel, getting the backs, you know, matched up on linebackers, that type of thing. You know, using some tempo, which I mean, in order to use tempo, you got to have positive plays. There haven't been too many, you know, positive plays in that situation. And maybe just a little bit more. I, I know coming to the year, I thought they're going to have a little bit more of the RPO game kind of, kind of in there, kind of get the ball to you know guys like Juju who's good run after run after the catch. KB's good run after the catch. Ramondre is good run after the catch. Those type of guys just get them the ball quickly and as soon as possible. Less pressure, you know, on the offensive linemen to sit up there and try and hold up for you know three four seconds every time on a drop back. But like I said, it's it's hard to do that type of stuff when you're down 16-0, It kind of, a lot of that stuff goes out the window. It's hard to call plays that way. So, but that's, that's the things I think they can try and use to improve. It's just playing with more energy. Like I said, from the beginning of the game, I said, I want to see those guys like talking to one another, see that kind of connection, pushing one another. You know, they had a good first play of the game this past week. And then after that, it was like nothing, nothing really else. Like after that first play, let's go. Like, let's, let's get it going. Get back on the ball, get the first down. You know, they'll take a shot the next play. Like, I want to see that type of, you know, like I said, not just throwing the ball down the field, but just some type of aggression from the line, you know, tight ends, backs, receivers, whether it's aggression on winning your routes. Like, like obviously, I'm sure they hear, you know, everybody saying like they create the least, you know, separation, you know, across the entire league. Take, take it personal. Like, take it personal. Like, you guys have the ability to control that yourselves. Like, the coach ain't going to run the route for you. You get to do it. So, let's go out there and win that match. And let's – create more separation. Let's make it easy on my quarterback, like that type of thing. 
Yeah. Uh, well, they had it earlier in the season. Good friend Mike Giardi, friend of the podcast. I'm sure you remember. Yeah. Yeah. Stink, stink, stunk was the line he yeah, used. Yeah, that was more Can't practice. Yeah. Uh, I hate to break it to the Patriots receivers, but Mike is uh, looking pretty good uh, with that phrase. But they, they got time. Plenty of season. No one yeah. is here to rag on them. It's just that was his assessment. He put it in a certain way. They threw it in his face, and uh, now he is the one smiling. Okay. Uh, as far as my suggestion for the offensive line, I, I don't know how much more they can do. Like, I, I think yeah. your point about they need more time together is probably the best one because, yeah. you know, Bill O'Brien has been running quick game uh, since the preseason. Tons yeah. of screens. It's not yeah. working. Um, the longer developing pass plays. He called play action, I think, of Mac's first two dropbacks. Good idea. More play action. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Nobody's work. Open, Mac, yeah. <laughs> Mac just missed it. And I think yeah. they tried to incorporate some pin and pull runs, which got, you know, Trent Brown out in front. David Andrews was pulling a little bit in order to do that. For the pull part, you need a tight end to pin the play side defensive end to hold him inside so you can get those linemen looping around him to, to lead block. Farrell Brown was asked to do that. That's the right guy in the yeah. Patriots tight end room to ask him to block. Six foot six, 265 pounds, rocked up, couldn't do it. Those plays went absolutely nowhere. And I, part of the reason they're not incorporating more RPOs from what I can see, James, is they're seeing a ton of cover one. So when yeah. you're trying to get that um, – Overhang defender, the one who's kind of caught between run and pass conflict. Yeah. Do I need to come in yeah. for a run and drop back in his own? He's just playing man. man he mashed up, yeah. <laughs> right, right. I mean, they're playing it. They're seeing a ton of cover yeah. one. Do you see the same thing? Because I mean, you're not running RPOs into that. I mean, you're going to see a bunch of cover one if your receivers can't get it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm running, I'm not giving you easy access throws. So if you can't create a lot of separation, if you can't throw the football, like, I have no problem leaving my leaving my corners out there one on one with your receiver. See if you can make the throw. That's I'm going to make it tough on your quarterback. I'm not giving you anything easy. So they're going to see a lot more of that until they start to win in man coverage. Yeah. So uh, long short of it, I got nothing. I'm sorry. They're trying to tight ends. Sometimes it's just be better. Like it doesn't have to be like a scheme thing. It doesn't have to be whatever. Some motivational speech you just simply have to be better. And that's that's just what it is at this point. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right, Gary is asking, uh, throw out all the preseason expectations and please personally throw mine out the furthest. But I am telling you to spend your own money on the Patriots over eight and a half wins for the season, possibly making the playoffs. Throw that one as far as possible. Uh, doing that, Gary wants to know what is one thing you need to see from this team starting today to consider the rest of the season a success? I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Just stop turning the football over on offense. That's like I said, that. That's something that, you know, Bill would say, he talks about it at nauseum. Like, like you, you don't turn, like you said, he said in this press conference, if you don't turn the football over, the Patriots win over 90% of their football games. So that's first and foremost. And I said, just get out of your own way. Like I said, Bill always talks about playing bad football. Like you can't win until you keep from losing. And most games are, you know, lost and they are one. They've lost all the games that they've played in. They literally lost. And the other team hasn't. I mean, obviously they play some good football teams, but I think it's more been more of themselves than what the other team has done. And they've been right in there with, you know, the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, obviously, you know, dismantled them. But so they've How been. How far away does that opener feel? Like, I, I was thinking about that today, like walking to get a drink of water as I'm finishing up film. But I'm like, did that really happen? <laughs> were, were they that close to beating the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like so long ago. It seemed like it wasn't quite real. Yeah, they were they were that close, man. I, like I said, they win just one of those football games. Maybe they're a little bit more confident, kind of going forward. But yeah, man, from the I just need to see them protect the football. Like I said, 
I said, protect the football. Nothing's there. Just like live the fight, another play. Hopefully, like you have a good enough defense that can get you stops, can get you the ball back, you know, a few more times. This just handle it that way. Like it's it's hard to see. Like I said, like not just the turnovers, the 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 opponent scoring off of them and all that stuff too. That's that's draining. It's exhausting. Like it's demoralizing for an offense. Uh, I would say seven and ten because yeah. right there is a five hundred record. The rest of the way, you yeah. end up kind of splitting the difference with the preseason expectations anyway, some positive uh, momentum. I mean, that's going to have to include a win over Buffalo, who you're going to see twice, Miami, who you're going to see, Kansas City's on the schedule too. You go on the road to Pittsburgh. Like, you split the rest of those games. Um, You're going to beat one of those teams, and you'll have a signature win, which is something you've not had in the last couple of seasons, aside from the Buffalo windstorm game. So I'll just put in terms of win and loss, which, of course, you do need to stop turning the football over, but they're not going to hand out trophies for like, hey, you've got your turnover differential to zero. And, of course, like other trophies are outside of the realm of possibility right now, but it's it's hard to see it that way because you're right. Like, again, before you get to winning, before you get to my thing, you need to get to your thing. You know, stop losing, and then you can start winning and maybe go 500. All right, last one. This is a multi-parter. It's from uh, 603 Patriots, and then someone who goes by uh, Kay Howarth. Talk about the he- next head coach. So they're in a place where you you can't even envision yet. But they want to know, is Gerard Mayo guaranteed to be the next head coach whenever they move on from Bills? So maybe this is a couple of years from now. Or do you think an outside hire like Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson would be more realistic? Second part of this is, okay, why wait to make a change if they believe in Mayo now? Um, that's kind of, it's kind of hard to say. Like I said, it's not quite what I envisioned just yet, but like if for me as of right now, I would say the next heir apparent would be Mayo. He's a guy who's played in the organization. Who's obviously has a good relationship with Bill, good relationship with Kraft. You know, he's still pretty young can connect with the players, all that type of thing. He's, he's a guy who can, who can motivate players. So I can, I can definitely see that. And the second part is like, why, why wait is what they said. Was- yeah. Like, and, and I'm with you. I, everything I've talked to or people I've talked to things that I know are very, they're don't want to get aggregated. Uh, there are people in the building who feel very comfortable saying Gerard Mayo will be the next head coach of the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't, it's not I, crazy on the outside. Very, very realistic. Like I said, but there's, there's so much more that goes into it. Like, does another certain certain person come available that, you know, whatever the crafts may, you know, kind of have a lot of respect for all that stuff that a lot of things, a lot of things get thrown on the table. And does Mayo get a, a different head coaching job before, you know, the coaching job becomes available. So there's a lot that can happen between that point. And let's say they said, why, why not? Or why wait to make a coaching shape? Like, come on. Like, I, I know. This <laughs> our fan base there. I said I, I hate to say it, but they're they're spoiled. We won we won a lot over the last twenty years, and like I said, we've been losing whatever the last you know three years and whatnot. But like I said, that's this is what the NFL is. Like I like I said, the the Patriots have been in a unique category. Like there's a few organizations that have been in that category where you're in the playoffs, you know, every single year you're fighting for a championship every single year. But sometimes there's going to be a time where you're losing football games, and you just kind of. It takes a couple of years to kind of figure it out. Like I said, it's a unique position for Bill to be in. It's a unique position for the crafts to be in. They haven't been in that in a long time. But like I said, they they still have, I feel like, uh, to me, like a year or two to try and sort it out. And then, yeah, we'll see. We'll figure it out from there. Woo! Well, you're right. <laughs> I, I, and I, it's hard for people to hear. You're frustrated. Like, no yeah. team would want to take those two um, yeah. 
poundings that they, yeah, they did yeah, it's, the Cowboys yeah. and the Saints games. It's hard. Were, you know, <laughs> six, point sp- six point spread down in Dallas. And this was one and a half, and the Patriots were favored at home. I can't imagine they're going to be favorites anytime moving up, but it's, uh, you would yeah. think it's in the deer, and then it keeps getting large. So, as far as Mayo, like, I would only see that if they do go to one and eight, one and nine, and there's some sort of like real issue with the locker room schism and the crafts know what they want to do. And they look at this as the lost season. He might as well give Gerard a head start on the end of the year. And the issue then becomes, what do you do about roster control? Because like bills, you know, I, I don't think Gerard would take over the current front office and let macro keep doing, you know, those duties. Like there's a lot more involved in this versus just kind of installing the new guy. And we know Kraft is not uh, a fan of making midseason changes. Not that of course he's, had to be confronted with that decision very often. Um, yeah, to me that, that yeah that would never happen during the season for okay. me. Like I, I, I could, like, I mean, obviously I'm no genius when it comes to this, but I, I can almost guarantee that they don't do it during the season. If they did that, that would shock. That would shock me like more than anything I've ever seen in football. But I said I, there's a lot of respect between like the two. Like I said, like I said that. I'm sure they're having a conversation at this point and trying to figure things out how to write the ship, but I, I highly doubt, you know, anything like drastic like that happens this year. That's good to know. Look, you've spent more time in that building than anyone uh, listening to this, anyone who's talking right now. And so you, you win Jake White, uh, on, the, on that front, just really quickly on Gerard and then we'll, we'll get you out of here. Um, you know, we, we know how well-respected he is in the locker room. He's charismatic. He's smart. He played there, understands the system, and I think part of the crafts want to keep the system in place and just kind of modernize it whenever Bill moves on or kind of tweak things here and there. What can you tell us about Gerard just being in that building with him, specifically when he came back as a coach, that you think, aside from the things I mentioned, charismatic, been there, natural leader, smart, that will make him a good head coach one day, if it's likely in New England or or maybe, as you mentioned, somewhere else? I think – He's very personable. He knows, like I said, I know he, he knows how to connect with people. So I feel like he'd be able to connect with each and every player on the roster. Like I said, a lot of stuff that you say, he knows the game. He's been there. Like I said, he knows the crash, that type of thing. He's, I said, he's everything you would want in probably a younger, you know, head football coach. And he's loud. You know, like I said, you, you he's, <laughs> as I'll say, that he, he's very loud. He knows how to get his point across. Like I said, I think he'd be great as a head coach. Obviously, he's gotten you know some interviews already, and I'm sure he's probably you know blown some people away. You know, him just being in coaching what like I don't know, like four years now, five years. I don't know how long it's been, but yeah, he's he's everything you would want. And like I said I think he knows how to motivate people. He knows how to get people going, and he he'll definitely bring the energy. You know, not every you know, not every coach is kind of kind of like that, bringing the energy on a day to day basis. He'll, he'll definitely you know bring that type of thing. He'll, to me, he'll be kind of like kind of like a Vrabel in a sense. Like they they bring energy. They're gonna like interact with the players during practice, that type of thing, and just find a way to get you know those guys going. So you have as much like fu as Vrabel has because Vrabel wears uh, that next yeah, to the Titans it, it's, it's not, Yeah, it's, it's a little different. Yeah, he's not <laughs> like the, the fu type. He, he's he's the loud type though. He, he can definitely be loud, but it's more like energy talking, you know, talking and stuff type of thing, which Vrabel does too. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like they could uh, use him on offense to bring this back full circle. Yeah, a little more yeah, juice. It's in Mayo over there. He'll get him going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, James White, always the best. You can hear him and see him on the Big Ten Network. You mentioned you got a Wisconsin podcast going around where else can the people uh find you yeah you can find me on the camp random platoon podcast is now on youtube and then i'm on sirius xm channel 88 every wednesday morning with solomon wilcox from 
on Central, I mean, on Eastern time is from, what, 8 to 10 on Wednesday. So, yeah, that's where you can find me at right now. Awesome. My man, always appreciate your time. Thank you for the insight. This was terrific. We always go longer than expected, and you are never in a hurry, which I uh, always appreciate. And, yeah, hopefully we're talking more about your scenario than the one I outlined, one in seven, and talking <laughs> sellers and all this crazy stuff, because it's been a crazy season to date, not for the right reasons. But, yeah, hopefully, uh, a little more hopefully juice, time they turn, Yeah, hopefully they turn the corner after this, after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank you, James. No problem.